Hi, need a ride? Hop on in. I'm headed to Julia's Trucking Cafe. Come on, let's go. We made it just in time. Come on, let's go get a seat. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Julia's Trucking Cafe. Glad you have a seat. Everybody get something to drink? Good, good. Sheila, Sheila, turn that bike off. Now you know you can't bring that bike into the cafe. Now go park it outside. Jeez. Now everybody, sorry about that. Just sit back and enjoy the ride. I have a lot of news to get to, so let's get right to it. A small town truck stop in Iowa will close its doors for the last for the final time later this month. On October 20th, the Boondocks truck stop off of I-35 in Williams, Iowa, will close shop permanently. It says in a Facebook post, it is with heavy heart that Bob and Min have made the decision to close the Boondocks after 45 years of being in business. We have enjoyed serving all of you for all these years, and we appreciate all of your business. Our last day of business will be October 20th. We hope to see you all one last time before we close our doors. Again, thank you for letting us serve you. In other news, a truck driver following his GPS mistakes a bike path for a on-ramp. <laughs> the incident happened j uh, just after 9 a.m. in Columbus, Ohio. Police say the truck driver was northbound on Route 315 when he accidentally left the highway and turned onto Spring Street. As he attempted to get back onto northbound Route 315, he reportedly mistook the Olentangy Trail, which is meant for bicycles, and traveled north down the trail until his truck eventually became wedged under the I-67 overpass. There is photos in this article, but I also have them under the page of stupid things that drivers do. The Ohio Department of Transportation sent out crews to inspect the bridge for structural damage. Pol uh, Columbus police were warning bike users that the path will remain closed for a while. And um, also in another article that um, the driver was not from Columbus and he became confused and he thought he was merging onto the northbound lanes of Route 315. Um, I think I believe they also said that he was going to be cited for that. Uh, he really wrecked the trailer and he really wrecked the truck uh, be becoming wedged under that uh, 670 overpass. I mean, the trailer is pretty much demolished. You can see it in the pictures. I, I don't understand if you're coming, people, you know, uh, there again, there's a tip for new drivers. If you're coming to an overpass that's a bridge that is, you think is even too low, look for, always have to look for signs, how high the bridge is. And uh, he turned on a bike path and now the bike path is asphalt and it does have a yellow dotted line going down it but it's narrow so it's not necessarily for semi-trucks don't always believe you know this don't always believe your gps and if you're coming up to a bridge and it even looks a little bit low put on your flashers slow way down and creep under it he was halfway under this bridge almost three quarters way under the bridge halfway under the bridge when it just caved in the semi-trailer and it, 
it it's almost in a V. You can look at the pictures and, and see it. So that's ridiculous. I don't see how the truck could fit underneath it. The truck, looking at the pictures, is even really ruined, you know? he It should have started hitting when he started creeping underneath it. So it is a Freightliner and it's got a sleeper on it. So I don't know. It should be the same height as the trailer. I don't see how the truck could get underneath there without, you know, if he heard any clanging or banging or something. Um, like I said, you really have to look for the, look at the pictures. So... Now in other news, I really don't like to report on these type of shenanigans, but this is news and I should really let my personal feelings get in the way. Dozens of trucks descended on Washington, D.C. to protest the hours of service and the ELD mandates. But guys, you apparently didn't know that it's already in the works. They're already reviewing it. So dozens of truckers descended on DC in order to raise awareness about various issues in the trucking industry. They're saying for months, organizers with That's a Big 10-4 on DC have been planning a major demonstration to raise public awareness about safety and regulatory issues in trucking. Well, that's kind of funny because I never heard anything about it. And I'm all over the internet researching for every show every week. And, you know, I've been doing this since January and I didn't hear anything about it. So unless it's just their group doing this and you have to be a member of the group in order to know anything, I didn't hear anything. I didn't see anything like in the groups that I belong, trucking groups that I belong to. I didn't hear anything about it. Last night, drivers gathered at Fredericksburg, Virginia, which was um, October 4th through the 6th, I believe. Um, last night, so they gathered at Fer Fredericksburg, Virginia Fairgrounds and convoyed to the National Mall in D.C. Now, that's the mall with the reflecting pool. And I believe it goes from Lincoln Memorial to the Washington Memorial. And normally, you don't have, you know, people usually walk down that mall and that kind of thing. Well, this time, it was nothing but bobtails. And they... Where their trucks were, will remain staged until Saturday morning when the drivers will convoy back to Fredericksburg. During the two-day event, drivers will meet with lawmakers and politicians to discuss changes to correct regulations. The drivers will also be interacting with the public to raise awareness about trucking issues. The goals of the That's a Big 10-4 on DC are listed on their website, but also as follows. The improve safety and training standards across the trucking industry, eliminate the 14-hour rule, allowing drivers to split sleeper time, reclassify reclassification of professional truck driving as a skilled trade, because right now in, I think, the Department of Labor, I'd have to, I didn't look that up before this episode, but there is a real... It's a real bad classification that we have. Um, hold shippers, receivers financially responsible for detention. Drivers should be compensated for all on-duty time that we do. Improve parking infrastructure at rest stops and other stopping areas along the road network. Crowding stopping areas and parking on an on or off ramp is potentially dangerous. Well, you think, you know, you really think so. So there's also a link to the show. I really, they took some really good pictures here, but see, you see... They didn't let the, the bobtails park there all weekend. They only let them park there overnight. And one person was saying that um, they, when I got onto their website and stuff like that, they the little kids would come up and ask them about the truck. Could they see the truck and that kind of thing. So, and, and thanking us for everything we do and stuff. So that was pretty cool on um, their part. In other news, 
IRS bumps up owner-operators per, di per diem allowance. So owner-operators are now allowed to claim a meal per diem of $66 per day every day they're away from home, according to the new per diem structure announced this week by the IRS. The change, a $3 increase, took effect this month, October 1st. Owner-operators using their Schedule C business expense form will now be able to deduct $52.80 off of their income for every day they're on the road and away from home. I, per, me personally, because I'm an owner-operator, I don't deduct all of that. I usually just deduct $50 a day, and I don't even eat that much. But I still deduct it anyways because of if, I, if they're going to give me exemption, shoot, I'll go ahead and take it. Though the allotted per diem is $66, the IRS only allows a deduction of 80%. See, they'll get you one way or the other of that to be deducted from the operator's income which equals 5280 for all days on the road and away from home before October 1st. October's per diem was $63, a deduction of $50.40 a day. So it went up actually $2.40 that you're allowed to deduct. To qualify for the per diem, IRS rules state your work must be away from your tax home substantially longer than a normal work day, and you must sleep away from your home on the days the per diem is being used. If you have any questions about the use of a per diem, you can call the ATBS at 866-920-2827. That's 866-920-2827. Company drivers can no longer deduct meal per diem from their income. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017, the tax reform cleared last year by Congress, removed the per diem deductions for company drivers starting for the 2018 filing year. So this is only mainly for owner-operators that um, you can deduct any kind of a meal allowance. I'm proud to announce that the trucking industry has helped raise more than $80,000 for wreaths across America this year which provides remembrance wreaths that will be placed in military veterans' gravestones on National Wreaths Across America Day in December. More than 230 people, including truck executives, industry suppliers, military families, and press, attended the annual WAA fundraising gala hosted by the Truckload Carriers Association uh, the previous week, which was October 4th, and that would have been the end of September. The biggest donation of the fundraiser campaign came from the National Association of Independent Truckers, Way to Go Guys, and their insurance partner, IAT Insurance Group. The $50,000 donation will help cover fuel costs for owner-operators hauling the wreaths during the event. In addition to TCA, the gala was hosted by Freightliner and Pilot Flying J and sponsored by TA, Travel Centers of America and Petro, Driver Facts, and Overdrive's parent company, Randall Riley. So that was really cool. Um, and there another article about it. Give me just a second and I'll pull that up if I can. In a check presentation this morning, this was uh, actually the uh, end of August, at the Great American Trucking Show that was in Dallas, Vice President of Business Development David King delivered $50,000 to Reese Across America, specifically earmarked to be used to offset the fuel costs of owner-operators who wish to donate their equipment and time to deliver Reese to the program. The sizable contribution from NIT and AIT, excuse me, is the organization's third annual donation to help wreaths honor fallen military service members across the U.S. with their well-known wreath-length ceremonies in more than 1,400 participating cemeteries. 
The donation was made possible by NAIT partners in the effort. Transgard and the IAT Insurance Group. Reed's representative Debbie Spark notes that her organization is thrilled. NAIT wants to do this and hopes news about the availability of assistance gets out the owner op- to the owner-operator community to encourage more participation in cross-dock loads in areas all around the country, some moving earlier than the main December push. All of the guys I talked to that, not, that might need the fuel assistance, the hardest thing is convincing them that it is something that is okay to do, Bark said, noting Reese coordinators have something of a sales job in making sure owner-operators are fully aware of the NAIT donation and what it's for. Our reliance on the independent truck owner-operators cannot be understated when talking about the success of national wreaths across America Day. NAIT's guaranteed issue life and disability insurance offering Equinox Accounting Consulting Partnership. I'm going to go ahead and edit that out. As a, In other news, as part of Prime case, Supreme Court dissects wording of Federal Arbitration Act exemption statute. The Supreme Court justices scrutinized the definition of such terms as worker and employee in New Prime's case that will decide whether or not the Federal Arbitration Act applies to transportation workers. The High Court listened to oral arguments of the case on Wednesday, October 3rd. At issue is whether labor disputes brought by owner-operators leased to a motor carrier are exempt from arbitration. The U.S. Court of Appeals from the First Circuit ruled that the exemption does apply to independent contractors. Prime then petitioned the ruling to the Supreme Court arguing that the First Circuit's decision would deprive both companies and workers in the transportation industry of the benefits of the Federal Arbitration Act. Well, of course, they want to take, say we have a problem with new prime and not paying us, taking too much out of your check, something like that. They want to go ahead and take it to arbitration. In other words, work out a deal instead of having to pay a big settlement if they're found guilty in a trial for a, of a lawsuit. So in February, the Supreme Court granted the petition to hear the case between the Springfield, Missouri-based trucking company and truck driver Dominic Oliveira. Oliveira's attorneys contended that the Federal Arbitration Act prohibits courts from applying the statute to the contracts of employment of seamen, railroad employee employers, or any other class of workers engaged in foreign or interstate commerce. During oral arguments, Prime's attorney, Theodore Boatrice Jr., said the First Circuit's imp- interpretation of the exemption was contrary to the plain meaning of the statute and its structure, purpose, history, and context. This is this court, for many years going back to before when the Federal Arbitration Act was enacted, has said over and over again that if Congress used the words like employment or employee or employer in a statute without further helpful definition, it intends for the common law agency rules to govern that employer-employee relationship. In other words, if the court ever used the words employment, employee, or employer in a ruling that they handed down, then that ruling is governed under the employer-employee law or relate of the relationship. Justice Sonia Sotomayor interjected that the word workers was used instead of employees. Congress didn't use the word employees if it meant 
employees, Sotomayor said. It used a much broader term, workers. Boltress argued that the intention of Congress was clear. I think it's almost important that it's been nearly 100 years and no court had ever decided that the words contracts of employment, which are pretty clear, mean something completely different, he said. The First Circuit and Mr. Oliveira contend that those words mean agreement to work. But if Congress, just as Sotomayor, had wanted to say agreement to work, it could have said that. It says contracts of employment. In 2013, Oliveira entered into New Prime's truck driver apprenticeship program, where drivers must attend a four-day orientation and log 10,000 unpaid miles as a driver or a passenger. After completing the supervised driving period, court documents said the student driver must take the examination for a commercial driver's license and then drive 30,000 miles as a B-2 company driver trainee. B-2 trainees are paid 14 cents per mile. After finishing that program, Oliviera became an independent contractor. So, in other words, they got 40,000 miles, okay, driving miles, and then they're already thrown into a truck. So 40,000 miles, you figure you drive about 120,000 miles a year, that's about three months, roughly, if I'm right. I'm doing it off the top of my head. And uh, before they're thrown into their own truck. According to Olivier's response to the Supreme Court, Success Leasing, which is a separate company from New Prime, but is located in the same building, leased Olivier a truck and then directed him to New Prime's company store to purchase fuel and equipment for about another $5,000. Olivier said Success presented his him his employment paperwork labeled as Prime Independent Contractor Operate Agreement. Now, let me stop right there. Doesn't this sound familiar? This is the same kind of lawsuit that John Christer's trucking is going through. And that is still, I think September was the last time that anybody could um, be signed up for the class action lawsuit of John Christner. So, doesn't this sound familiar to you? According to Oliviera, New Prime paid him less than minimum wage and that deductions for fuel and lease payments on the truck occasionally left him owing money at the end of the pay period. That is, Prime sometimes charged Oliviera, Oliviera hundreds of dollars to work for the company, the response brief stated. In 2015, Oliviera filed a class action against New Prime alleging that the trucking company violated the Fair Labor Standards Act. But same thing like Christner, as well as the Missouri minimum wage statute. New Prime moved to compel arbitration under the Federal Arbitration Act. They wanted to work out a settlement. They didn't want the bad press. During oral arguments, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, oh yeah, the old granny in the rocking chair up on the Supreme Court, questioned Potras whether Olivieri was an independent contractor or an employee. What about the argument that the independent contractor status here was a sham, that it was a label rigged to make this person appear on the face, as you said, an independent contractor, when in fact, 
New Prime calls all the shots. Botris responded that the question would be arbitrated, and if Mr. Olivier is correct, he'd be entitled to further relief under the Fair Labor Standards Act, which is one of the provisions he's suing under, he said. We disagree with that. It's undisputed that Mr. Oliveira had the choice, the free at his choice could, to be either an independent contractor or an employee. Now with New Prime, they have a division of company trucks. So he didn't have to lease a truck. He wanted to lease a truck. He had that choice. He could have became an employee and work as a company driver. It's black letter law that statutes are interpreted according to their ordinary common meaning, not now, but at the time they were passed, Bennett said, and there's overwhelming evidence that in 1925, when the Federal Arbitration Act was passed, the words contract of employment was a general category for agreements to perform work. They include the agreements of common law servants as well as independent contractors. And also, if you want the complete transcript of these arguments, there is a link in this article that I will have the link to the article on, under the show notes like I have with all the other episodes. This episode of Julia's Trucking Cafe is brought to you by Julia's Virtual Assistant Service. Have you ever thought about hiring a virtual assistant? Do you even know what a virtual assistant is? Well, may I suggest you contact Julia's Virtual Assistant Service to find out how they can help you in your business. Do you have things that you hate doing? Well, hand them over to Julia's Virtual Assistant Service and concentrate on the things that you enjoy doing. From basic website design, social media marketing, to transcription, Julia's Virtual Assistant Service can help you and your business with the things that you hate doing. Any task that you have, hand it over to them. Contact Julia's Virtual Assistant Service today by going to their website at juliasvaservice.com. That's juliasvaservice.com, juliasvaservice.com. For quick turnaround time and economically priced, you need to contact Julia's Virtual Assistant Service for all of your tasks that you don't really want to do. So now a group of lawyers from the Roberts Perryman Law Firm go to truck driving school. And this happened the end of September in order to better understand the needs of their clients. In the video, which is attached to this article, one of the tri- instructors says that the drivers got no special treatment. I'm going to holler at them like I do everybody else, he says. So the attorney, Gary Bonkamp, said, I think before you start, you appreciate that trucks are not easy to operate. But the problem that you more fully appreciate after you actually driven for a while is you get no courtesies from the other drivers on the highway. Well, hello, somebody's trying finally figuring that out. Another one of the firm's lawyers said it helped her realize the points of view out the windows, what you see and where the blind spots are. So they wanted to, uh, I didn't think it would be near as challenging, one of the lawyers said, as it was physically and mentally. She had to learn every single part and how it works from the inside to the outside of the tractor, to the trailer, to the fifth wheel, and to the wheels, to the air brakes. Yep. And they call us dumb truck drivers. You know it? So that just tickles me when I can rattle off a bunch of numbers or tell somebody the different parts on a truck or something like that, and they think we're all stupid truck drivers. It just tickles the shit out of me. So also, I want to remind everybody that the winter weather in is closing in, and we've been having out west winter weather advisories in Utah, Idaho, Montana, Colorado. If you've been watching the news at all, besides the hurricane that's going through um, Florida and 
the southern states you uh you really need to start watching weather updates you can do it on for the newbies out there there's a weather channel app AccuWeather app and a weather bug app. You, these are some uh, some of the things that you need to have with you or carry with you in your truck. You need to carry chains in your side box. Doesn't matter if you're going to Colorado or not. You need to to get with a truck stop, get with your maintenance department if you're a company driver, and carry a set of chains. Um, at least a set to be shown. Like I said, I don't throw chains, but I still have two sacks of chains that. Um, I carry in the side box of my truck just in case I get pulled over. Also, you need to have extra canned food, water, extra clothing like sweaters, long pants, thermal underwear, long thermal socks, winter boots, a sleeping bag, and I have an electric blanket that plugs into my cigarette lighter just in case you get stuck on the side of the road and you're in between exits and they shut down the interstate. I've seen it happen too many times. Uh, Kansas, Nebraska, and everything, and there's no place to park. You need to have, and you can't, you're not going to always park at a truck stop, not going to always park at a rest area. You need to be prepared. And also ask your maintenance shop about having anti-gel additive in your side box. You always have to have a jug of that. The weather's te temperatures are going to start dipping down and diesel has wax in it and it does gel up. It doesn't necessarily freeze, but it does gel up under 32 degrees. Read the instructions on the back of the jug. I'm not going to tell you how I do it because every um, company wants you to do it a little bit a different way. But read the directions on the back of the box. Listen to your shop a mechanic foreman on how you should use anti-gel, but you should always have that in your side box. Also, if you are running a refrigerated trailer, you need to put some in the, that reefer tank as well underneath the trailer. That, that reefer tank will gel up as well. You don't need much. A quarter of a cup, couple of capfuls, you know, just a little splash in there. You don't need much. You don't need a jug. You don't need a quarter of a jug. Just a little, little bit in that reefer tank because it's only a 25 to 50 gallon tank. Now, most of those anti-gel jugs will treat up to 250 gallons. So that's why you just need a real little amount for only 50 gallons. And um, you also have to drain your air tanks every day. Have a mechanic show you how where the, there's a couple of cables that you need to pull to uh, drain all the moisture out of your air tanks. You need to do that every day, if not every other day. And to get the moisture and the condensation out of your air tanks. Your dryer doesn't do all that. Your air dryer does not do all that and they will freeze up. So I hope this helps all the new drivers out here this week. I want to really appreciate all my listeners. Thank you so much for all of your downloads and for being patient with me. Um, also this week I have, um, my poor truck is broken down again. This time it it's in New Jersey. So right now I'm doing this episode in the beautiful state of Wisconsin. I decided to take a road trip and spend some time with family and friends. And, um, so I'm beautiful state of Wisconsin. All the leaves are turning up here in central Wisconsin. So it's really kind of cool to see. And while my truck is in the shop, I had some time. I wanted to go ahead and um, come up here and, and visit with family a little bit. But um, I'm not sure what's the matter with my truck, but as soon as I find out, I believe that'll be on the next ep trucking episode. 
Again, I want to thank all my followers, all of my subscribers, all of my listeners. I greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate you and appreciate everything that everybody does. Please, if you're new and you haven't went to our Facebook page and liked the Facebook page, please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. If you have an iTunes podcast app, please subscribe. You can also subscribe or follow on iHeartRadio and um, in the podcast app on Google Play Music. So everybody stay safe, keep the shiny side up, and until next week, have a blessed week. Yeah, we got a little old convoy. Ain't she a beautiful sign?